Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So we continue this series uh, in the book of Acts. The theme is serving God together. Really, the book of Acts, if you haven't been here before, if you haven't, the book of Acts is the recording of the early church. It's about all the acts that the apostles did and the early believers did. And, and as I shared before, Acts really doesn't end. We're still in the book of Acts today because guess what? We're followers of Christ, still sharing the good news of who Jesus is. And the mission that, uh, that we were given in the book of Acts is to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we are called to share the good news of Jesus. And if you remember from last week, we were in chapter 3 of Acts, and Peter and John encountered that lame man who was lame, who was crippled from birth, and now he's in his 40s, and he's begging at the temple gates. We don't know how long he's been begging at the temple gates, but my guess would be he's been begging there all of his life. And Peter and John walk up to the temple at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon to go spend some time in prayer. And as they were walking to the temple, they encountered this man who was begging. And he put out his hand to ask for some money. And Peter walks up and John walks up and says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man was instantly healed. And the scripture says he got up and he leaped up. I believe it was a 42-inch vertical jump. He leaped up and he started beginning to praising God for what God was doing in and through. It was a supernatural healing that happened through the power of Jesus Christ, but it happened through the apostles of Peter and John. After the man was healed... He walked into, he was actually, it says in the scripture, he was clinging to Peter and John. And he walked into the temple with Peter and John. And then all of a sudden the people, can you imagine, we have someone in a wheelchair, we've known in a wheelchair for 10 years. All of a sudden they come walking in. They just walk in on their own with no, no help, no wheelchair. He's walking in with Peter and John. And all of a sudden Peter, or all of a sudden the people start recognizing that's the man that's, begging, that's been begging at the temple gates for years. Look at him. And he's up and he's raising his hands. He's praising God. He's giving God all the praises. And people all of a sudden start praising God for a miracle that's taking place. So I wanted to kind of paint the setting of where we're at because everybody is astonished. Everybody is amazed. And Peter recognizes that this is the opportunity that I can all of a sudden share a message and give hope to people about the name of Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is. And so this is really, in Acts chapter 4, is really the second message, the second sermon of Peter in the book of Acts. Um, now in, the, in chapter 4, as Peter and John were speaking to the people, all of a sudden, some Sadducees, who were a religious sect, came and confronted them. And I want to start reading about this account, starting at verse 2. And we're going to go through verse 7 of Acts 4. I just encourage you to open up your Bibles to Acts 4 and just leave them open. Or if you have your devices, just leave them on. Because I'll be referencing Acts 4 throughout this message. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. They arrested them and said, since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. 
The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas and John and Alexander and the other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in what name have you done this? And I want to just pause for just a moment here, and I want to take a moment to talk about the Sadducees. Because, see, many times in Scripture, we talk about the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are the ones that, you, when you read through the Gospel, their names are mentioned often. And they're probably about ten times more than the Sadducees, but the Sadducees are also found in Scripture. But the Sadducees were a religious sect who were really the Jewish aristocrats of the day. The Sadducees were wealthy and carried a lot of influence in the Roman Empire. They were also in control of the Jerusalem temple, and, the, and they were the governing body that was called the Sanhedrin. And we're going to give a little history here because I think it's really important so we understand where we're going today. When I was reading this scripture, some of you might have, when I was reading this, some of you might have recognized the name Caiaphas because he was the high priest who played a critical role in the execution of Jesus, and Caiaphas was a Sadducee. It was the Sadducees who John the Baptist and Jesus himself, they both at different times, called the Sadducees, you brood of vipers. And the reason they referred to them as brood of vipers it was because they were teaching um, things that were really poisonous and venomous to, uh, to what, who Christ is. They were, were teaching things that were going to distract people from following Jesus. Um, it was the Sadducees that, that, that when Jesus approached them in Matthew chapter 16, he called them out as a wicked and adulterous generation. And then Jesus sternly warned his disciples away from any of their teachings because their teachings were corrupt. And the Sadducees, now catch this, the Sadducees didn't believe that you could actually have a personal relationship with God. They didn't believe that even God really even cared about what was happening, that he didn't really intervene in man's situation. And they didn't, the other thing they didn't believe, they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. If they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, they don't believe in a heaven or a hell. So basically they believe that when your physical body dies, your soul dies with it. So we're just going to try to live a good life. That's what they're trying to do is live a good life. And they were miserable at living a good life. They didn't, they didn't do a good, they couldn't do that well. They were really deceived in everything that they were doing. So the Sadducees, the other thing I want to share about is wealth was a main factor of the religion. They were very wealthy people who lived, who lived in extravagant homes and they lived extravagant lives. And their extravagance, now catch this, their extravagance was gained through their corruption of the temple sacrifices. So now if you remember in the Mosaic Law, you were required to go to the temple on a regular basis and offer sacrifices for your sins. Annas, which is one of the people that we mentioned in that reading in Acts 4, is another name that's mentioned there in the passage. And he was a Sadducee and he was a high priest. One of the theologians described the temple sacrifice scheme that Annas really, Annas, when Annas became high priest, he really had this great scheme of the temple sacrifice. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But this theologian described the, the, this, this temple sacrifice scheme that Annas developed as an extensive organized crime network in the temple, not unlike a quasi-religious mafia. So let me paint a picture for you what, what's happening. 
You come to Jerusalem to the temple and you're going to go offer your sacrifice. And you come in there, maybe it's a lamb, maybe it's a goat, whatever, maybe it's a dove. And you come to the temple, and all of a sudden when you get there, there's some Sadducees, and they're sitting out in front, and they, they look at the, 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 the sacrifice and they say, oh, no, 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 that's not worthy of sacrifice. You're going to have to buy a new sacrifice. So they would sell you a new sacrifice. Now, because you're probably traveling from out of town to the temple in Jerusalem, maybe you didn't have the, the right uh, uh, money, uh, Roman currency and so they were so kind that they offered to exchange your currency of course with a big price and then they would sell you a new sacrifice so that you could have a sacrifice into the temple and then what they would do is just take the sacrifice that you offered they would put it back in the back and they'd bring it back out later on and sell it to someone else it was a whole scheme that was taking place now you understand what's going on the Sadducee leaders were stealing fortunes from their, own, from their own countrymen who were kind of helpless because they had to offer sacrifices. And it's in this setting that we see the righteous anger of Jesus be cut loose. And I'm setting things up. We're going to go back into the Gospels here right now. We see the righteous anger of Jesus be cut loose. It's recorded in all four of the Gospels. Very few things, very few stories are recorded in all four Gospels. This one is. It's when Jesus enters into the temple... And he all of a sudden starts to overturn the, 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 the money changers' tables. He just starts to overturn them. Do you remember that story? When I was a little boy, I had this little Bible as a kid, a little pictorial Bible. And I used to take a little black Bible. I still have it today. And I'd bring it in there. I'll just show you the picture. And I'd bring it in there. And I'd open up because I couldn't read at that point. I just remember opening up and looking at the pictures. And they had this picture of Jesus with this big old whip, and he's whipping people. And I'm, as a kid, I'm just going, man, I don't want to serve this. <laughs> why would they put that in a kid's Bible? May I ask you why they put that picture in there of a Jesus with a whip? But I share that because in the Gospel of John, it actually says that Jesus made a whip, and he came in, and he cleared out house. And he started taking, and he started whipping these money changers, and it was a righteous anger. He was upset of what they had done to the temple of God. And Matthew records the following words of Jesus. He says, he said to them, the scripture declares, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Now, I want you to understand something. Here, these people are coming in to find forgiveness of their sins, because that's how they did it in the Old Testament, was to all of a sudden bring in a sacrifice for their sins. And all of a sudden, they're getting ripped off. By, and Jesus had a, just a, a righteous anger that this was not going to take place. And, and he comes in there. You see, we all are sinners. And thank God, by the grace of Jesus Christ, we've been set free of sin if our faith is in Jesus. Amen? These people are holding good people hostage. And Jesus' actions were bold, and they were harsh, but they were justified. And his actions would have directly affected, now catch this, his actions directly affected the Sadducees because it all of a sudden is ruining their money laundering scheme and their sacrifice scheme at the temple. Understanding this helps us to realize why Jesus was so hated by Caiaphas and Annas and the other Sadducees because he's exposing their corruption. He's exposing it straight up. Now, the Sadducees are the same group of people 
that we encounter in Acts chapter 4 that are coming against Peter and John when Peter and John are sharing this sermon and sharing this message about the hope of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. These are the people that are coming against Peter and John and they, they withhold him and they, they put them into questioning and they want to uh, question Peter and John. It's interesting that they're preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ and see this bothered the Sadducees because they don't even believe in the resurrection of the dead. But this is why they're being questioned. And look how Peter responds to the council's question found in verse 7. I read this already, but I'm going to reread it to you again. When the council asked, by what power or in whose name have you done this? By what power and in whose name have you done this? And then Peter, starting in verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Whew. Yeah. And if that was confusing for you, Jesus is the cornerstone. See, Jesus was the Savior that God sent his son to save the world. But the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jewish religious people of the day, guess what? They rejected Jesus. They rejected the very one who you could be saved by. And that is Jesus Christ. And Peter made it very clear in his message right there. So the Sanhedrin, uh, this council is caught in a pickle. Peter's not backing down. He's speaking about Jesus with boldness. And the problem that the Sadducees are having is that the people are believing the message of Peter and John. And why are they believing? Why wouldn't you believe? If all of a sudden you have a lame man that you know that has been lame for years and years and years, been begging at the temple, and now that he is standing with Peter and John and he's 100% completely healed, can you imagine? You would believe as well. So the Sanhedrin council, they're in a pickle because, man, there is a miracle that's backing the boldness of who Peter and John are. How can they deny the power of God? And how could the Sadducees say anything about, against Peter and John? So the Sadducees, how sad they are, sad, I like their name, Sadducee. The Sadducees decided to bring Peter and John back into the privacy of their own council, and they commanded these words onto Peter and John. We do not want you to share, to preach, or to say the name of Jesus any longer. And they were trying to scare Peter and John into submission. But Peter knows this game. He's already denied knowing Jesus at the crucifixion. Remember that when he denied Jesus three times and the rooster crowed? This is the same Peter. He's not going to fall into the same trap that he so, yeah, he so badly um, was, was uh, oh, so upset, so hurt by, so, so felt, so guilt, condemnation over that he denied his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is not happening again. This time, Peter filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to take that, let that take place. So Peter and John respond to the council in Acts chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? 
just that statement alone. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And the council continued to threaten Peter and John, but there was really nothing that they could do because if they tried to punish or arrest Peter and John any further, the people would have rioted against them. So they knew that they had to let them go. So now the question is for you and for me. What can we learn from this passage of Scripture? How can we apply this passage of Scripture into our lives to, to make a difference in our lives? And I believe there really is a lot to learn, especially in the area of when we confront persecution in our life, when we confront persecution because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And let me give a disclaimer here before we begin. Um, let me share with you what persecution is not. Persecution is not something that happens to you because you're stupid or dumb. I don't know how else to say it. Sorry if I offended you. I, because I've heard people that say, man, you know, I'm being persecuted. And I start digging into the story and I find out they're showing up to work late every single day. They're, they've used up all their sick leave. And they're wondering why the boss is, well, he just doesn't, because I have my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm being, no, no, you're being persecuted because you're a bad employee. Don't blame Jesus for your problems when they're your problems that you need to let go of and do what is right. And the other thing is don't say that you're being persecuted for your faith when you're not because you really belittle those people who are truly being persecuted, who are undergoing persecution, who are really facing death and life situations. But let me remind you that Christians, and this is a thought that we should, Christians should not be weak people. We, we should not be people who are easily offended by the opposition in life. We should be the example of strength and courage because we have the very presence of God in our lives. Can you imagine what it looks like when we show ourselves as weak as Christians? When all of a sudden we start to fall apart when any little thing starts to happen? Wait a minute. Who is your king? Who is your Lord and Savior? Did you just sing this last song that we just sang and we just sang it but we're not going to really believe it that God is the God of the impossible? Come on. Our lives need to reflect who we serve. Amen? Amen. So be strong and courageous. courageous. Be an example of strength. But as followers of Jesus, how, we, how do we respond to the real persecution of our faith in Jesus Christ? Peter and John's story gives us some great insight. And the first thing I want to share with you about when persecution comes your way, know your why. Know your why. Let me share what I mean. Be prepared to give an answer for what you believe. We see in verse 2 that Peter and John angered the temple priests and leaders because he was talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was talking about the teachings of Jesus. They were, the, they were teaching people about the truth of eternal life, and they were teaching them that there was life after death. Why? And I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this message. Why does the name of Jesus anger people? Why does it name, not all people, but some people, why does, it, why does it anger some people? And I share this truth to you. I believe this is the reason. Because Jesus represents truth. And the truth will expose the lies and the deception of people. Jesus even said this in Matthew, 18, or Matthew 10, 22. He says, you will be hated by everyone because of me. That's what he told his disciples. You're going to be hated by everyone because of me. Why would they be hated? Because you live for Jesus and you choose not to embrace those things that are ungodly. 
And that ticks some people off. Let me give you an example of what takes place in life sometimes. And some of you have experienced this before. Hey, um, would you mind signing this piece of paper? I know that I haven't completed this, but if you would just sign off since you want, just go ahead and sign off and I'll do it later. But could you, and you, and you say no, because it, it goes against what you believe. You're not a liar. You're not a Jew. Hey, someone starts to gossip. You know, such and such, Susie did this. And, and you said, you know what, I don't, I'm, I won't. And you stop and you don't be a part of that gossip. You know what happens when the people, they start feeling condemned by the truth that you're living by. Did you catch it? They start feeling condemned and all of a sudden they start feeling guilty for that and they hate you because you're living by the truth of who Jesus Christ is in your life. When Peter and John were arrested, they were questioned about the miracle. But the miracle wasn't the big issue. What was the big issue? Look at the question that they asked. By what power or name have you done this? The issue is never the miracle. The issue was the name that was being used. Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, was prepared to give an answer. You and me, when we all of a sudden become questioned or persecuted for our faith, are you prepared to give an answer for your faith? Are you prepared to give the reason for why you believe what you believe? Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he was prepared. And in verse 9, Peter states, do you want to know how he was healed? I love this. I, I'm putting voice reflections on him because I'm right there with him right now. And Peter responded, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And he knows this is just getting under their skin. In fact, Peter is so riled up. I mean, he, he, I know he's probably trying to stop himself from doing it, but he was so riled. The man that you crucified, he finally shouts out to him. And God raised him from the dead. Now, this same person that's exposing the lies of the Sadducees, their whole scheme, I was going to call it a Ponzi scheme, but I don't think it's a Ponzi scheme, this whole scheme that they have rolling about the sacrifices and about the money exchanges and all that kind of stuff, that same person that is exposing this, now these apostles that are followers of Jesus, all of a sudden now they're healing people in the name of Jesus. It's ticking them off. Will the name of Jesus never go away? And I believe this is what continued to remind the Sadducees of their evil deeds. And in verse 12, Peter declares even more truth to the entire council by eliminating any doubt of who Jesus is when he said there is salvation in no one else. And I love Peter's boldness. It states that the members of the council were amazed by their boldness because they recognized that these were just ordinary men. They were not men of schooling. But it also says in the scripture that they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. And I thought about that. And I share with you this truth today. When you spend time with Jesus, it's going to change you. When you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and you spend time with the Holy Spirit in your life, it's going to change you. It's going to impact your life. You're not going to be the same. You're going to be like Peter and John when they're walking into the Sanhedrin council and they say, man, how do they have this boldness? How do they have this effect on people? But they don't have any schooling. They don't have any natural. How does this happen? And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that's changing their lives. I believe the worst response that we can make as followers of Jesus is a response, a response that is indecisive or wishy-washy. Think about what that declares about who you're following. If you can't even make, 
Know why you believe. I'm not saying that you have to know everything about the Bible, but you better know why you believe. Otherwise, when persecution comes your way and that comes that direction, guess what? You're going to have a difficult time standing. Knowing why you believe gives you a hope and a direction for the future. It gives you a better, clearer vision of what you have to do and why you're doing it. Why you do what you do is very important in life. I'll say it again. Why you do what you do is very important in life. Otherwise, you can live your entire life really fulfilling no purpose and having no meaning in your life or no direction. Know the why. Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.15, Worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope and as, as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And if you struggle in this area of knowing your why or knowing who God is, then I, man, I so desperately encourage you to be a part of one of our grow classes that's coming up. And if you sign, you can sign up online. And yeah, is this a pitch? Yes, it is. Because you know why? Because this is an important piece. Because one of the main topics that we talk about and grow is knowing God. Discovering who God is so that you can explain your testimony to others. I don't care if you've been a member of this church for 30 years or, or you just recently started attending the church. I want everybody to go through grow when you get a chance. And we'll start a class as soon as we have the numbers to do so. So I'd love for you to do that. Knowing your why will help you stay on course even during difficult times when you're ridiculed or mistreated by others. The second important action to implement in your life during persecution is choose to obey God, not man. We see this in verses 18 through 20, where the council tried to demand Peter and John to stop teaching or speaking about Jesus. Then Peter gave the reply that I shared earlier. He says, do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And I was thinking about that, and about Peter and John's day, and about our day today. We live in a culture today where people want to silence those who don't agree with them. The term is called cancel culture. This culture gives no room for discussion or debate. It gives no room for reasoning. It just doesn't like something. I want it to go away. Catch this. I looked this up in the Cambridge Dictionary. It gives a couple of examples of cancel, cancel culture. It says cancel culture, this is a couple of examples, helps to call out and remove problematic people from mainstream culture. That's one of the scariest statements I've ever heard. Cancel culture is a way to exert some control over a world that is increasingly becoming more dangerous and less tolerant. I'm going to read that again because I want you to catch this because I got thought on this. Cancel culture is a way to exert some control over a world that is increasingly becoming more dangerous and less tolerant. Think about that statement because really it's an oxymoron. It's a statement that basically contradicts itself. To exert greater control because the world is less tolerant. So to make the world a more tolerant place, we are going to remove people who have opposing opinions. Oh, that makes a lot of sense right there. This is what's happening to Peter and John. The Sanhedrin council wants to remove the name of Jesus out of the culture. They want to completely remove the name of Jesus because they don't like the name of Jesus. They don't like his teachings. They don't like how, they ex how he exposed their, their, their schemes. They don't like that, he, that they believe that he was resurrected from the dead. They don't like anything about him, and they want to cancel Jesus. 
And yet, I was thinking about this, if I'm Peter and John. I kind of, I don't know if you guys ever do this when you read the Bible, put yourself into their position. I do that a lot. And I started putting myself in, in their position. What would have happened if you're standing there and basically you're, you're, being, you're being questioned by that Sanhedrin council and all of a sudden they basically want to cancel the name of Jesus. And I think in their minds, Peter and John, all of a sudden the words that Jesus professed to them. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I think those words were ringing through their ears as they were being questioned. It's at this point that Peter and John refused to obey the religious leadership that had become so corrupt by sin. And this should remind all of us that we cannot cave in to the ungodly pressures that can be around us. We cannot choose to obey man's corruption over God's will for our life. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. David writes in his Psalms, he says, I will speak of your testimonies before kings and I will not be ashamed. Your relationship with Jesus, and catch this, was never designed to be a silent friendship that was hidden. Your relationship with Jesus was never designed to be a silent friendship. In fact, Jesus says it's the exact opposite of a silent friendship. He says, let your light shine before all men so that I might be seen. What's the light? The light is your relationship with Christ. The light is Jesus Christ himself and how your relationship is changing your life. We will make a difference in the world when we are willing to obey God and not man. Don't shy away when persecution comes your way. Be bold and courageous before God. Jesus declares these words in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. He says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not make your friendship with Jesus silent. That should be one of the, the greatest friends. Hey, have you heard about my friend Jesus? You know, I like Allie. Allie, you and me friends? We are? Yeah, I think you're pretty cool. Do you think I'm cool? That was a little slow. That's okay. I'm old. I get it. But, you know, new, new people come to the church. Hey, have you met my friend Allie? Because she's cool. She skateboards, longboards. She's cool. All the girls go skateboarding with her. She surfs. She scuba dives. She does everything. She's cool. Ride bikes. What else do you, you do? Yeah, a lot of stuff. I'm embarrassing you right now, right? Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. So there you go. Um, she's single. Anyhow, but um, Allie is, um, I, the spirit, a bad spirit came upon me at that point. I don't know why it happened. Don't know why it happened. I do. But I share that because of this reason. I think Allie's cool. I'm going to share, hey, I'm friends with Allie. Why wouldn't we share that same kind of friendship about Jesus is cool? Have you met my friend Jesus? He changed my life. That's where we should be. It's not something that's a silent friendship. It's a, it's a friendship with Christ that should be proclaimed to all the world. Just like, just like Peter and John when they walked up to the lame man who, who was begging at the temple gate. And they didn't have any silver and gold. But man, hey, what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. The last truth that I want to share regarding facing your persecution is this. Remember to pray. In verses 23 through 31, you can read the account for yourself, how the believers began to pray. What did they pray for? This is really interesting. Um, 
If I was in a situation, maybe you would be at the same scenario. We're brought into a judge. We're brought into a court system. We've just spent the night in jail because we've been talking about Jesus. That, that day, how would I be praying, you know, about this situation? Man, Lord, deliver me from these people. Deliver me from this, this whole situation. Deliver me from, because this is such a corrupt world. Deliver me, Lord. Listen to how the, the new believers in Jesus' day, after Jesus was ascended, listen to how they are praying. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They didn't all of a sudden ask to be rescued. They asked, hey, give us greater faith. Give us greater boldness. Give us greater ability to proclaim the name of Jesus. They're not going to allow culture to cancel the name of Jesus. They're going to stand up for Jesus' name because they truly have a good friendship. If you are friends with something, if you if you are friends with a person, you have a great relationship, it doesn't matter what happens, you're going to stand by that friend. Right? No matter what happens, you're going to stand by that friend. Peter and John are there now. Peter might not have been earlier, but he is there now. He's not allowing anyone to try to cancel the name of Jesus. He is standing up in great faith. And look, they're gathered together after Peter and John were released from, from jail. They gathered together with other believers and they just began to pray. And that was part of their prayer. And after their prayer, listen to how God responds. After this prayer, Acts 4, 29-31, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. God gave them another round of being filled with the Holy Spirit with another supernatural power to empower them to face the situations that they were going to go into. They were not going to face it alone. They were going to face it with the very presence of God with them in the whole, during the whole time. See, we are called to make a difference. We're not called, alert, here you go. We're not called to be conformed to this world. Paul wrote, do not be conformed to this world. The vision for this church is to be different. It's to create an environment where all of a sudden we can see lives changed. It's to create an environment to see what God can do through others and through you and through me. At the end of chapter 4, you can read how the believers came together in unity and in both heart and mind, it says in scriptures. Why did they come together? They came together to make a difference. They even shared all that they had so that they could continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And at the end of verse uh, 33, it states, And God's great blessing was upon them all. And I share that word because if we really truly want to overcome persecution with victory, then we must pray and believe together in unity what God is going to do through us. We have to, as we've been singing these songs, we have to have greater faith. And we're about ready to sing a song because I already sang it in first, first service. And I want you to own this next song that we're going to say, sing, Faith Arise. Oh, let faith arise in me. Oh, heart believe. Let faith arise in me. See, Peter and John got to that place that no matter what they were going to face, nothing was going to cancel the name of Jesus. And my declaration to this body of believers that we have and who are watching online today, I want you to go into your places with new boldness.
be weird. Don't interrupt. Don't be crazy. I want you but a new boldness. That if someone asks you why you believe, it's a new boldness to be able to declare, yeah, I believe in the name of Jesus Christ because he's changed my life. And you start sharing how he's changed your life. There's something powerful about a testimony from a person. And for us, I'm calling this out. Let's make a difference. Let's be the church. Amen? In fact, I didn't say this in first service, but I'm going to say it now. I'm going to call some of you out. I am. I'm going to be knocking on a couple doors. I need more of you. I need you to step up. I need you to be a part. I need you. We're not going to allow the culture of this world to cancel the church or cancel the name of Jesus. No, no. We're going to step up and rise up. And I'm going to knock on your guys' doors and say, hey, I need you to have a greater commitment than ever before because we're going to make a difference in this world. Amen? If you believe that with me, stand up right now because we're going to start to worship the Lord in music and in song. And I want to say a prayer over you today. Lord God, I thank you for each person that's here today. I thank you for those, Lord God, who maybe came in with a heaviness in their heart. Maybe they're going through persecution right now. Maybe it's at work and, and it's not because of something dumb they're doing. But it's honestly because they have their faith in Jesus Christ and someone just doesn't like it. And they're having to struggle through this persecution. Or maybe it's at school where it's just not cool to say the name of Jesus. But the person knows that they need to declare Jesus in a greater way than ever before. God, for every person that's struggling with boldness right now, I pray in Jesus' name, greater boldness, greater faith. Lord God, a greater desire to be obedient to your word. Let us never, Lord God, be shy in declaring the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you give us greater boldness than ever before in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.